Uh, this morning we're going to look at a story of a guy who was hopeless in despair, bound in chains, bound in shackles, bound by demonic oppression, and Jesus shows up and changes his life. Last week we talked about Jesus being with Jesus in the storm, and we got a glimpse of Jesus speaking to this violent storm that scared the dickens out of these experienced fishermen. They were afraid. They were scared. Jesus was peacefully asleep, and Jesus just wakes up and says, Shalom, peace, be still. And the storm was still. And the waves Calm down. There was calm. Just that one command from Jesus. He's Lord over nature. This week we're going to look at Jesus giving a command to demonic powers. And those demonic powers responding to the power and the authority of Jesus. Because Jesus is not only Lord of nature, He is Lord over uh, principalities and powers and over all created things. He is Lord of lords and King of kings. Amen? Amen. And so, the title of this message is Delivered to Declare God's Works. Delivered to Declare God's Works. Go ahead and turn to Mark chapter 5, starting in verse 1. And they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him any more, not even with a chain, for he had often been bound with shackles and chains. But he wrenched the chains apart, he broke the shackles in pieces. And no one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him. And crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he was saying to him, Come out. Of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, What is your name? And he replied, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him, saying, Send us to the pigs, and let us enter them. So he gave them permission. And the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs, and the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned into the sea. The herdsmen fled and told it to the city and in the country, and the people came to see what it was that had happened. And they came to Jesus, and they saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had the legion, sitting there, Clothed in his right mind. And they were afraid. And those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs. And they began to beg Jesus to depart from the region. 
And he was getting into the boat. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him. And he did not permit him, but said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Diocopolis how much Jesus had done for him, and everyone marveled. Amen? And all God's people said, Amen. So, a big idea this morning is simply this, that Jesus demonstrates His power and authority over demonic forces by delivering those taken captive and setting them free to live out their God-given purpose. Jesus demonstrates His power and authority over demonic forces by delivering those taken captive and setting them free to live out their God-given purpose. Now, I would like to look at just two approaches here uh, to the dark spiritual forces that, that people typically have. And C.S. Lewis addressed this in his book, Screwtape Letters. He said, there are two equal and opposite errors in which a race can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve their existence. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. They themselves are equally pleased by both errors and hell a materialist and a magician with the same delight. Okay, so there's two typical errors that folks fall into. Some tend to over-spiritualize and over-emphasize and be enamored with the spiritual world, with angels and demons. And others, many, many of us in, in our culture, tend to be more naturalistic, materialistic, more uh, science, think, thinking logically, thinking science and, 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 and medicine and, and what's, what's trying to figure out what's going on with the person based on natural means. And if we don't, as Christians, if we don't have categories for the spiritual realm, if we don't have, when we view the world and the things that happen in the world and what influences people, and then we don't have categories for spiritual darkness, powers, demons, then we don't have a biblical worldview. The biblical worldview. Because the Bible gives us insight to the spiritual realm that is all around us. There, there is a battle that we are in. There, there is a war raging among us. There are principalities and powers. And Ephesians 6 tells us to stand firm to resist them, to take up the whole armor of God. And we see here Jesus encountering those dark forces in the Gospels. Jesus encounters those dark forces and He cast out those demons and He delivered those who were oppressed by them. And so let's first of all just look at this guy who was demon-possessed and look at his destructive life. This guy was living in the tombs. Okay? He was living in the tombs. Does that sound like a great place to live? Sounds like a creepy place to live. Okay? He was living in the tombs. He was isolated from others. He had been shackled often, but he had this uh, uh, 
impressive strength where he was able to break the shackles that were put on him and people couldn't, couldn't hold him down, couldn't control him. He was out of control. He was crying out and he was cutting himself. He was, he was harming himself. He was self-mutilating. And, and lastly, he was naked. He didn't have clothes on. Luke tells us in Luke 8:27, this guy was running around naked. Probably, I could just imagine, uh, very sunburned, suntan, uh, dirty, filthy, talking to himself, just running around, hurting himself. And so this guy's life is a picture of despair. This guy's life is a distortion of the image of God and what God had designed for any human being to experience while they're here in this world. His relationships were in shambles. His health was in shambles. His mental health was in shambles. His spiritual health was in shambles. This guy needed some help. And there was nobody that could help him but Jesus. And Jesus shows up and his life intersects with Jesus' life. And here we have this powerful redemption story of Jesus rescuing this guy from the pit. Rescuing this guy who is experiencing a taste, a small taste of hell on earth. And Jesus shows up and changes everything for him. The Jewish Talmud says uh, it gives four characteristics of madness. And this, this particular guy had all four of them. Walking about at night, spending the night on a grave, tearing one's clothes, and destroying what one was given. So this guy was living a destructive life, not God's design and intention for him. One theologian says, in most stories of possession, what is, an, what is at issue is not merely sickness, but a destruction and distortion of the divine likeness of man according to creation. The center of personality, the volitional and active ego is impaired by alien powers which seek to ruin the man and sometimes drive him to self-destruction. The ego is so impaired that the spirits speak through him. Jesus is conscious that he now breaks the power of the devil and his angels because he is the one in whom dominion, the dominion of God is present on behalf of humanity. You see, Jesus came and he brought the kingdom of God on earth. And we see the kingdom of God clashing with the kingdom of darkness. We see people who were once bound and confused and broken and shamed and weighed down by guilt and their sins. And Jesus shows up and he sets them free. He forgives them, sets them free, and he brings them into right relationship with God. How great is our Lord's salvation that He gives us freely by grace. And we see that happening here. The Scripture tells us that if any man is in Christ Jesus, he's a new creation. The old is past. Behold, all things are new. And for this guy, it was a night and day difference. It was spiritual darkness to, to light. It was bondage to freedom. It was, it was blindness to, to being able to see. It was being dead Spiritually to becoming alive, to being clothed in his right mind. So the first thing I want to highlight is that Jesus confronted these demonic powers. 
Jesus didn't ignore them and act as if they didn't exist like many would do today and try to rationalize away with, the natural, uh, with natural means of what's going on. Jesus recognized that there's a spiritual realm that must be confronted and it must be addressed. We can rationalize all day. We can, we can uh, ignore it all day. But it's not going to address the problems that we face spiritually if we're, if we're in a spiritual battle. And the Scripture tells us that we've been given spiritual weapons to engage in the battle. Mighty weapons in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. So it says, crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? It's interesting that he addresses Jesus as who he is. Son of the Most High God. Okay, we see this in other places too in the Gospels. And so the demons know. Now, James tells us the demons, demons believe in God and tremble, but that doesn't change their fate and their destiny, where they're going. They have a knowledge of God and a, and a very simple uh, uh, mental belief of who God is and who Jesus is. He says, that, I adjure you by God, do not torment me. He, he's begging. The, the Spirit's speaking through this man. He had taken possession and control of this man's life and dominated this man's life. And he's, and he's saying, do not torment me. For he was saying to him, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. Then Jesus asked him, what is your name? And he says, Legion. My name is Legion, for we are many. So a legion is, uh, uh, it, it's, a, it's a word that is used for about 6,000 um, troops. Okay? 6,000 troops. Um, so the, the indication here is that there's many, there's a multitude of demonic forces um, within this guy who have dominated this guy. So he says, my name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. So Jesus confronted him. He confronted him. And then Jesus conquered the demonic powers. We see deliverance. We see Jesus exercising His power and His authority. And we see this demoniac delivered by the power of Jesus when Jesus had commanded the, the, the Spirit to come out. They came out. The, the unclean spirits came out of Him in verse 8. And then He was clothed in His right mind. He was clothed in His right mind. And Jesus had freed this guy up to go and tell others what God had done in his life. Amen? And so we see this night and day difference. We see Jesus triumphing over the powers of darkness, over the forces of hell, bringing the kingdom of God, and it's changing lives, just like it's changed our lives. Amen? I know many of us have had our run-in with demonic forces and powers. You know, as as Christians, I, I don't believe that Christians... Um, get possessed by demons, but I do believe that that Christians get um, troubled by demons at times, tormented by demons at times, and there's a battle going on. Uh, uh, demons often bring confusion. They they bring fear. They bring they rob peace. Um, uh, and so I've seen it. I've, I've experienced that struggle myself as a Christian over 21 years, having sp- spiritual battles 
going on, facing spiritual darknesses personally, and then ministering to other people. Ministering to other people. Um, I've seen people who I would, I would say uh, the indications of, of what they were doing and saying were, were, were very clear that they were demon-possessed. And I've had a couple of times where we were praying and, and, and um, gathered around one or two guys trying to cast out demons. And Jesus commissioned his followers to do this, by the way. He commissioned them to, uh, to go cast out demons, to preach the gospel and cast out demons. Jesus did this perfectly. And he walked in the authority and the power of the kingdom of God. One, one uh, hymn that comes to my mind as I think about the reality of God's power in contrast to Satan's power is the great hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God, written by Martin Luther in the 1500s. In verse 3, he says, And though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, we will not fear, for God has willed His truth to triumph through us. The prince of darkness grim, we tremble not for him. His rage we can endure, for lo, his doom is sure. One little word shall fail him. Amen? So it's interesting that the demons request to be thrown and in, cast into the pigs. Now pigs were unclean animals according to the Old Testament laws. Jews were not supposed to eat them and, and they were to keep distance from unclean animals like pigs. And Jesus permits it. Jesus allows the demons to go into the pigs. Out of the man, but into the pigs. And, and so why? Why does he allow that? I mean, just as you're reading the story, I, I don't know if you had that question. I, I know I did. I, I found one theologian, William Lane, and I commend his commentary on Mark to you. Um, it's one of the top ones on the Gospel of Mark. Uh, he answers, he gives two, two reasons that I think are helpful. He says, first, Jesus recognized the time of the ultimate vanquishment of the demons had not yet come. His encounter and triumph over the demonic does not yet put an end to Satan's power. It is a pledge and symbol of the definite triumph, but time but the time when the triumph will be fully realized is yet deferred. It must await the appointment of God. Therefore, Jesus allows demons to do their destructive work, but not upon man. It's interesting. He, he lets 2,000 pigs get destroyed. See, human beings are made in the image of God. Pigs aren't. And so they have more value. Okay, um, he goes on. The second element is related to this. Jesus allowed the demons to enter the swine to indicate beyond question the real purpose was the total destruction of their host. See, demons, Satan and demons come to destroy. They want to destroy people and anything that, that reflects God and his, the beauty of his creation. Jesus said in John 10.10 10, that the thief, referring to Satan, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come that you may have life and have it to its full. That's what Jesus came for. 
And Satan comes to rob life, to destroy life, and especially the image of God. Especially human life that reflects the image of God, that reflects the beauty and the glory of God on earth. He hates God's image. He hates humanity. He hates you and me. We have an adversary who wants to destroy us. And we would do well to recognize that and be aware of that. Not be over-focused over on that, but at least live with the awareness that there's a battle going on around us. And there are people who have been taken captive by Satan. Now, most of the people we meet, it, the, the severity of their case of being taken captive isn't this severe. We don't run into this every single day, but I'm sure we've all seen some folks that seem close to this, right? Maybe on the streets, or maybe in mental hospitals, or maybe in jails, they end up in jail. Um, or maybe you have a family member. No, I'm just kidding. Um, But we've all seen folks who've experienced some kind of demonic oppression. Alright? And and Jesus wants to see people free from the grip of Satan on their life. Okay? And He wants you and me to also be instruments to help others get free. To experience salvation, deliverance, freedom through the gospel of Jesus Christ. We see at the end of this story here that Jesus commissioned this delivered man. He confronted the demonic powers. He conquered the demonic powers. And then he commissioned this guy who was once out of his mind and now clothed in his right mind, who was once in despair and lacking purpose and vision and freedom to be who God called him to be and do what God had called him to do. We see this man restored... And it it kind of freaks everybody out. Everybody who knew about this guy. They're like, what happened? They were afraid, the scripture tells us here. They were afraid. They saw this guy. They were afraid. And then, you know, it was kind of like in the boat when when Jesus had calmed the storm. Right? The the disciples were afraid. They were like, whoa, who is this guy that has the power to just speak to the storm and it's, it's still? Well, here we see Jesus exercising his power to cast out demons it's frightening to those around, like, wow, who is this guy? And they beg him to leave. That's sad, isn't it? That's sad for anybody to beg Jesus to leave. Just, please go, please go. We don't want you here. Right? And perhaps, perhaps a part of that was financially motivated, commercially motivated. The 2,000 swine represent a lot of income. Okay? Uh, and we don't know if these guys were, were Gentiles or Jewish guys who had kind of compromised their Jewish convictions and been involved in, in herding swine and making money off of the swine. But the town people want Jesus to go. And it's probably both. They were probably afraid. It says they were afraid. And they probably didn't want Jesus to affect any more of their economic situations at all. And we see in, in, uh, in the book of Acts that <clears throat> this happens with Paul. As he preaches the gospel in Ephesus, uh, there's a threat to the economy that's making money off of idol worship. And so Jesus commissions this guy. He does, and this is interesting. He doesn't let him. He, he wants to go with Jesus in contrast to the demons who say, you know, don't torment us. Just begging to be sent into the pigs. And then they destroy the pigs off this cliff into this water. 
And in, in contrast to the townspeople who's, who are begging Jesus to go away, this guy's like, hey, let me go with you. Let me go with you. Out of gratitude. He had been set free. He, his life was, was, a, was nothing. It was, a tor- it was tormenting. It was hopeless. It was in despair and shambles. And Jesus gave this guy freedom and purpose and, and just a reason to live. And he wants to be with Jesus. But Jesus has a plan for this guy. And Jesus knows the best place for him to be. Okay? And he tells them to go home. He says, go home in uh, verse 18 when he was... Um, when he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him. And he did not permit him, but said, Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. Isn't this beautiful? This is what every Christian is called to do. To go witness and to testify how God has had mercy on us. How, how much He has done for us in rescuing us and redeeming us. You have a redemption story. It may not be as dramatic as this guy's redemption story. But you have a redemption story to tell. To go home and tell your friends. Tell your family. Tell your co-workers. Tell your classmates. Tell your community. Go tell the story of God's redemption in your life. And how your life intersected with Jesus' life. And the difference that that has made. For this guy it was night and day. It was bondage to freedom. It was blindness to sight. His lunacy to soundness of mind. And we see this, this, this guy was obedient to Jesus' instruction. Jesus commissioned him to go. And he went out. Um, at the end there, it says, uh, verse 20, And he went away and began to proclaim in the Diocopolis how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone marveled. So, the Diocopolis is a league of ten Hellenistic cities. And so he went around and he just was telling everyone. I mean, think, think of what a powerful testimony that was to anybody who knew about this guy or heard this guy at nighttime. He's, he would cry out at nighttime with these demonic voices. And people were like, oh, it's that crazy guy again. Right? I mean, and, and, and so they didn't know what to do with him in the, in the community. And now he's completely changed. He says, go home, Jesus says, go home and tell your friends. I like what J.C. Ryle says in his commentary on Mark about home. He says, home is the place above all others where the child of God is likely to make his first endeavors to do good. Home is the place where he is most continually seen, where the reality of his grace at most truly is most truly to appear. Home is a place where his best affections ought to be concentrated. Home is the place where he should strive daily to be a witness for Christ. Home is the place where he was daily doing harm by his example while he served the world. Home is the place where he is especially bound to be a living letter of Christ as soon as he has been merciful, mercifully taught to serve God. 
May we remember these things daily. May it never be said of us that we are saints everywhere else, but wicked by our own fireside, talkers about religion everywhere, but worldly and ungodly at home. Amen? And so for, for us, our Christianity, where the rubber meets the road, is at home. Where our spouse and our children, those closest to us who know us the best, get to see our Christianity lived out. That's where we should concentrate being faithful witnesses. Jesus told his disciples in, in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, he said, you will be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the world. Right? And so there's 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 pattern here of being effective witness witnesses. It starts in the home, okay. And so let's let's close with a couple points of application here. The first one is simply be aware of the presence and the reality of demonic powers. Be aware that there is a real battle, a real fight, and there are many casualties. There are many people who have been taken captive by Satan to do his will, 2 Timothy says. And 2 Timothy says, a servant of the Lord, Lord must be, in, in trying to help them, a servant of the Lord must be gentle, able to teach, correcting those who are in opposition. If perhaps God might grant them repentance, having been taken captive by, by the devil to do his will. You see, those who've been taken captive by the devil to do his will need divine intervention. They need God to show up and bring his salvation. And you know what's amazing? It, it, it's amazing that God has chosen us to be instruments of His grace, of His goodness, of His truth, to share the message that is believed and embraced, when it, when it is believed and embraced, leads to salvation. Isn't that amazing that He's entrusted you and I to carry that message to people, the gospel, that Christ, the Son of God, has come and He suffered and He died for you and me on the cross. He went to the grave. He conquered sin. He conquered Satan and all His principalities and powers. And He rose from the dead victoriously. And He's alive. And He offers forgiveness, freedom, eternal life to anyone who will come and receive His invitation and believe in His finished work at the cross. It's amazing that we get to hear that, believe that, and then we get to share that with others. We get to go home and go into every sphere of our influence and share the gospel. And this, saints, is a great time for us to focus on doing that. We have Easter coming up. We got Easter coming up. People are thinking about, they're going to think about Jesus and what does Easter mean? What is the resurrection of Jesus? We celebrate the resurrection of Jesus during this time. It's a great time to talk to others about that. We got invitation cards. I want to challenge each of you to take at least five of those invitation cards on the tables back here and invite uh, a family member, a friend, maybe pray about who, who you might invite. Reach out, especially to those who don't know the Lord yet or you, you question whether they know the Lord yet. And invite them to come to our Easter service. Uh, there's an invitation on one side to our Easter service on April 4th. And then on the other side, there's an invitation to our Good Friday service that we're planning to do outdoors. 
We'll have an egg hunt. We'll have uh, scripture reading. We'll have music, live music. We'll have a short message. Uh, we're going to proclaim the gospel. We're going to have food and fun, but also a time of reverence and worship and, and remembering the, the, the reason for the season that we celebrate. And so if you guys would, would prayerfully do that. So, so be aware of the, of, of the presence, the present reality of demonic powers and Jesus' authority over them. Remember that we fight from a place of victory and authority in Jesus. Right? In, in the book of Acts, when some guys tried to cast out demons uh, and they didn't have that relationship and that authority in Christ, they got overpowered by this demoniac and they, they fled naked. From, from the circumstance, right? They were like in the, in, the, in, the, in the, with the Jesus, in the name of the Jesus that Paul preaches, we command you to come out of them. And they, they, couldn't, they couldn't perform an exorcism. Um, but those of us who are Christians, we have, we have a power available to us. And we're called to resist the demonic forces and the powers. Personally, um, we're, we're called to resist demonic agendas personally and on behalf of others. Okay? If we're going to be effective in helping others get free from Satan's grip, then we need to be free ourselves. Free people, free people. Now remember, before Jesus even started His public ministry, He did battle with Satan in the wilderness. Forty days and forty nights he fasted. He didn't eat. And Satan tempted him three times. Satan came to him. And he tempted him. And Satan had no foothold, no stronghold in him. And Jesus, the Son of God, the Messiah, was walking in authority and power. Now when we, when we give in to sin and we compromise and we give a foothold to Satan through sin in our lives, unconfessed, unrepented sin, it it weakens the effectiveness of us engaging in the battle. And we'll experience a beatdown spiritually. When we're walking in pride, we will experience a beatdown spiritually because James 4, 6 says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And in verse 7 it says, Therefore submit to God, submit to God, Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And so if you want to get victory over demonic forces personally, first you need to know Jesus and put your faith in Him, the one who delivers us from Satan's grip, the one who fights for us. Okay, We need to know Him, and we need to fight on the basis of what Jesus has done. Revelation twelve eleven says, They overcame Satan, the accuser of the brethren, by the blood of the Lamb the word of their testimony and not loving their lives unto death. Okay? So we fight on that basis of what Jesus has already done for us. And so we're to resist the demonic agendas and then we're also to boldly tell others our redemption story. Let's do this, saints. Let's not be ashamed of the gospel. Let's, let's trust that, that when we share, as we go about sharing the good news of the gospel, that somebody's going to hear, somebody's going to believe, somebody's going to get set free, somebody's going to find hope and purpose in Jesus, 
that there are going to be seeds that fall on some good soil somewhere. Though many of those seeds won't fall on good soil, but somewhere as we're sharing, faithfully sharing the gospel and engaging others, that somebody's going to respond and hear the message. Amen. So let me just close in a summary from William Lane on this passage. He says that this story is remembered. The story is remembered in tradition because of the dramatic evidence it offered of the purpose of demonic possession and the full deliverance brought by Jesus. It declared that the victory of Jesus over evil forces is a reality in which the liberating power of the kingdom of God is manifested in an extension of the saving mercy of God. That's a great summary. That's a great big idea for that section. And so if you guys would, would pray with me, Kevin, if you would come, come on up. If you're here this morning and you feel like you've been beat down by the enemy, you've been troubled or tormented by demonic powers and forces and you need prayer. Prayer is one of the primary ways that we fight, we resist. And in the Word of God, the sword of the Spirit, Jesus pulled that out three times when he was tempted each time with Satan and he fought against the enemy. Um, but if you're here and you want prayer for that or you're watching online and you feel like you're under attack, it's nothing to be ashamed of and nothing to feel awkward about to tell another brother or sister in Christ, I just feel like I'm under attack. Like I've tried to get freedom in this one area over and over again and it just feels like there's a demonic stronghold set up of sin or Satan or something in my life that I just can't break. Well, Jesus can break it. Jesus can break it and you can call on Him. You can humble yourself and cry out to Him for His grace and His mercy and He will show up. Or maybe you have a family member, a friend. You want to see experience freedom, deliverance from Satan's oppressive work in their lives. Many times we see this with drug addiction. or just open doors to Satan and, and spiritual forces. Dark forces are opened up. Through drug use. Let's cry out on, on behalf of their lives. Cry out to the Lord on behalf of them for deliverance. So, Father, I thank you that you haven't left us to our own resources, our own selves to fight this battle. Thank you that Jesus came and he made war for us and he brought victory to us and for us thank you that the battle is won and though we we rage and, and there's a war raging and will rage until you return Jesus help us to have your perspective help us to, to, to get a good grasp of your word and fight with it Help us to repent, to, to confess and allow light to shine in any dark crevice of our life so that we're not taken down or hindered by Satan's plans or agendas. Lead us not into temptation, 
and deliver us from the evil one, we pray. May we pray that more. May we see our need to pray that more. We pray for our children to be delivered from the evil one. We pray for our family members and friends that we know that are addicted and struggling and bondage to be delivered from the evil one.